you can be sort of depressed by these circumstances, but do realize too that all of the people that I've mentioned in this book are getting quality care yes. at this at this hospital. So at the end of the the system isn't great, but there is one thing. <laughs> there's 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 one place they can go. another episode of Sterling Municipal Library's podcast, All Booked, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And Jake is joining us today to talk about The People's Hospital, which is a book covering Ben Taub Hospital in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, well, it, it's like whenever anything, even remotely local interest comes out, I'm like... Because I, I book for our evening with the author, so I'm yeah. like I'm like on it whenever I see anything <laughs> Houston. But yeah, um, so it, and also just like I have uh, one of the authors. Well, as you can probably tell by my reviews, I read a lot of nonfiction. Yes, <laughs> um, and this is like my favorite flavor of nonfiction, which is like let's explore a social issue through the lens of looking at like mm, four to five people in mini biography um of like of like how they're navigating this thing so the the writer is um ricardo nuila he is a doctor at uh ben Taub downtown um and for those who don't know because i didn't know i've only been here two years but like leslie and i were just talking um and and she wasn't aware of the facility ben Taub is a um a safety net hospital or a public hospital so not only is it uh so there are most hospitals are either profit or non-profit and this one isn't even that it's public. Um, it is funded through mostly through property taxes in Harris County. And actually, he sort of frames the book as a rewriting of a book that was written by a man in, I believe, the 60s. And it was just called The Hospital. And that was back when it was a segregated facility. And, you know, in a particular, you know, twist of cruel irony it was the jefferson davis hospital oh wow so um so it, it since has been renamed and um the facility is a lot nicer because they were talking about you know like cockroaches crawling across iv bags that kind of thing um and it's it's not that way anymore um but he does sort of talk about um he talks about because it is like it's it's um it's you know government-run healthcare, um, for the most part. However, like he points out that it's funded by a purple county, um, that the um, chief administrator for the hospital is, you know, pretty proudly right-wing. So it's not necessarily something that you can easily say like, oh, government-run healthcare, that's an idea from, you know, this side of the aisle or something like that. It's, it's, it is something that affects all people. And that's, that's sort of the, in the profiles that he's chosen, he does that as well. So like, um, there is one woman who, her name is Roxana. She is, um, she's an undocumented immigrant. And then there's another man who is, he's a white man working for an unnamed Texas-based burger chain. He's a general manager for them. And then there's another person who um, is first generation, but is a U.S. is a natural born U.S. citizen. Um, so, uh, you know, just like, you know, the swath of people that you meet in Houston. Yeah. Um, so it, he does a very good job of sort of like covering 
of of covering a wide variety of people and i do feel like um i have read similar books because like you know like like any kid who gets good grades in schools my parents were like go be a doctor um (laughs) and after listening to this book again i am reminded why i don't do that because like uh even like without actual visual images with just like text-based descriptions of some of the things that are happening like my stomach was turning and i'm like this is i'm like this is why i deal with the books you know what i mean (laughs) like this is why it's not for me um but it it i learned i learned a lot about um sort of the history of healthcare and particularly healthcare inflation in the states and um yeah it was it was a really good read so oh go ahead I was going to ask, how long has the hospital been around? I'm because I was surprised to hear like 60s. Yeah, I can't quite recall the exact date of founding. Um, It's been so that building has been there since at least the 60s. But like I said before, it was it was a segregated facility. So, um, yeah. So I do know some of the people who were selected, you know, to be followed, whose stories were shared in the story. were uninsured can Mm -hmm. you tell us were they all uninsured or is it a comparison of those experiences so no um the the yes so some like um and you sort of get into the policy too because like um roxana who was um undocumented when you are undocumented you are ineligible for medicare and medicaid um and unless you have some sort of employer-based thing then it's just entirely out of pocket um but this hospital does still treat people in that situation there was one man and it's not entirely a hospital for the uninsured either they accept whoever walks in the door um so if they have insurance then they'll bill it um but a lot of the times it's just it's that it's a lot of people have insurance but it's just terrible so um unnamed Texas burger chain man um, selected the like and by his own choice. And he acknowledges that it was maybe not the best choice for him. He selected the um, lowest amount of coverage that he could because, yeah. you know, it's because money. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. people do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's and it's one maybe thing that you might think when you're pushing 50, maybe that's not the best decision to make. But should it cost you two million dollars? Probably not like, you know, uh, right. when you get a cancer that can happen to anybody. Um, so it's uh, no, it is not entirely the uninsured, um, although they do talk about sort of how like um, that the uninsured rate has actually slowly been ever since uh, the ACA was passed and insurance was mandated it that the uninsured rate took a dive but that that's been slowly creeping back up ever since so um there it's it is more of a problem than you want it to be currently um what kind of illnesses are they being treated for because you said cancer Mm -hmm. um so one of them has cancer um one of them a lot of the stories because it is sort of focused just naturally because it is a sort of a hospital of last resort a lot mm-hmm. of it is focused on poverty and one of the yeah. one of the most common and most debilitating illnesses of poverty is diabetes mm-hmm. um so it's um and one of the one of the just like facts that he shared that was just astounding to me because my own father and grandmother have diabetes um is that 
even with insurance, like when you take into account extra doctor's visits and co-pays, the cost of medication and insulin, um, sacrificed wages for going to those doctor's visits and those kinds of things, the out-of-pocket cost for caring for diabetes every year is like something over $4,000. Um, so like that's, you know, at this point in my life, I could probably swing that, but it would be a, it would be a huge extra expense that I would right, have to think about every right. year. Um, and so like just little, like I, that's not a fun fact, but facts. <laughs> um, uh, the, another woman, uh, Roxana, who's the name that I'm remembering because also her story is probably one of the most vivid ones. Um, she had a, she had a tumor on a, um, I'm going to get the medical facts wrong on an artery or something like that. And in the process of removing it, uh, she went into shock during the surgery, um, which then um, it like critically lowered the blood pressure in her body and caused um, gangrene to form on oh all gosh. four of her limbs. Um, and the situation she was in just kind of a horrible situation because they could do the surgery to stabilize her and keep her well. But then um, the cost of amputation surgery or prosthesis or anything like that was too much. And so she was sent home to auto amputate is the word that they used, um, which essentially just means to let it fall, let off. it fall off. Yeah. Um, so um, the, like I said, there are some, there are some things that are, are, are not only like hard to stomach in terms of just, you know, gangrene, you don't want to imagine it, but also just it's hard to imagine a system wherein that's just allowed to happen. Um, or it's even a choice. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I feel like in a in a an appropriately working healthcare system, they would be like, no, you can't leave. Right. Your limb could fall off. Exactly. That's horrible. No, you you have to stay here. <laughs> yes. And then um Stephen, who is uh he has um I think it's it's a very I think he and it ended up being a cancer of like the parotid glands, which are in your mouth or something like that. Um, he had a situation where he goes to the ER. They tell him like, hey, you have cancer. The hospital pro in he's, you know, he's stable. He's like, I, well, you want to send me to this place? Like I can drive myself there. And they're like, no, hospital protocol means that you have to take an ambulance. Oh. Um, and he's like, okay. And then they take the ambulance to the second facility only for the doctor at the second facility to say your health your health insurance is insufficient we can't treat you so oh they sent gosh. him on an ambulance trip to nowhere and probably build him for that yeah of course 100 three or four thousand dollar totally yeah um so it's these things that like are not i i don't think that anybody anywhere on the political spectrum would look at that and say like that that's good that makes sense you know it's not really like some of these things just um, they are policy, but a lot of it is what he chalks up to. It's a concept that he sort of like um, starts theorizing about as just he names it Medicine Inc. Um, like uh, these things sort of they arose um, sort of organic. Well, sort of just because of market forces mm -hmm. um, and the momentum behind them is so strong that it's that. For the vast majority of Americans who are provided health insurance by their employers, it doesn't usually become an issue. But at the same time, for the 20% or so who don't, it's it it's 
uh, it condemns them to something that they really can't escape. And uh, I was just re-listening to some of it this morning, and it was something like 66% of uh, personal bankruptcies happen as the result of some sort of medical debt. Um, and so, like, if that's the situation, like, it's it's got to stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you said the author is one of the doctors at yes. the hospital. How do you get a sense that he feels satisfied with the work that he does at that hospital or? Yeah. Um, if, if nothing else, like that's he. Um, I admire him because, you know, like we're public servants here, too. Um, and so it is nice to hear about. Um, and, and so he he acknowledges, too, that like um, if you look at and I was saying this to Leslie earlier, something like. I, I'm not sure what the sort of governing body or ranking body is, but when they like score hospitals, Ben Top does not score well mm -hmm. um, because they work um, they work on efficiencies. Like if they can't um, if they can't bill these patients thousands and thousands of dollars, then you know we we conserve care. Um, which and that's that's one of the things that he is sort of. Um, at pains to mention, like just recently, I I had a little illness. Um, I went to a doctor and I tested negative for everything, but they sent me home with an antibiotic anyway. And it's like, cool. I'm glad that's there just in case, but also like, it might be better if I didn't bill my insurance for this antibiotic, and yeah. <laughs> even even though I can, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, and that's sort of one of the, uh, the the sort of hard truths that, like, when we look at infant mortality rates in in peer countries where it's better, France, Japan, and Germany, medicine is not as much of a service based model. It is still a service that's being rendered, but it's not you know, a la carte or or mm -hmm. those kinds of like situations where like, you know, he mentions it, that in some hospitals there's like a pianist in the lobby or something like that. And it's like, that's great. But, you know, like <laughs> who's getting billed for that pianist in the right. lobby? <laughs> you know, that's one of the sort of hard truths that he states that like if things are going to change, things will change. Um, but it's it was still a very enlightening book. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to think of questions. No, oh, I'm good. just really sad now. No, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I will. If you ever need a depressing nonfiction read, I've got, I've got a long list I for to, you. I have to recommend this to my friend though. She's a medical librarian, and she is always reading nonfiction about the state of healthcare. I will say, um, he's kind of, he's not, he's not scandalous because he does it respectfully, but um, he talks about sort of um, algorithmic decision making in healthcare mm -hmm. and how that also um, doesn't that also runs up costs and often provides bad health care. And uh, he says that um, if if you read any sort of like medical nonfiction, then you know that like the number the number one guy is Atul Gawande. Um, he wrote the checklist manifesto and I'm it's the one about aging. Being mortal. Yes. Being mortal is one of them. And then there's one more big one that I can't remember the name of. Um, and, and being mortal actually does have a lot more of a humanistic focus. Yeah. Um, but the checklist manifesto is about checklists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, about checking things off a list, which is great for efficiency. Um, but also sometimes uh, I'm sure that we have all been to a doctor who seems like they're checking things, checking off, a things right. off a list where you're like, <laughs> Okay, well, I'm 
worry to have cancer, but thanks for the great feelings, yeah. you know? Um, so he does sort of, he, he sort of like comes for some of that idea making. And I think, that, well, I, I just think that's good. I don't think there should be any one voice in, in a branch of nonfiction. But yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a very informative book. And, and, mm -hmm. and I will say like you can you can be sort of depressed by these circumstances but do realize too that all of the people that i've mentioned in this book are getting quality care yes. at this at this hospital so at the end of the the system isn't great but there is one thing <laughs> there's 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 one place they can go you know um that, yeah. that's not too that's not too heinous or exploitative so and the fact that someone who works there felt the desire to write a book about this is is always reassuring well, I think, too, that um, the things that we all find frustrating about medicine, because um, he was I was just when I was re-listening, he was talking about the fee for service model and how whenever whenever that changed um, in, I think, the 80s or something like that, uh, a standard sort of fee book that might have taken up a page in a doctor's office became like binders and binders with thousands and thousands of codes. So what that ends up meaning is that a doctor who before could just say like, okay, we're doing this, here's how much it costs, now requires some sort of medical billing assistant. Um, and who's going to pay for the medical billing assistant? Patients. Um, and, you know, hospitals are not only suffering under that sort of like inflation cost of just medical services but also an administrative costs too like the way that we do healthcare is not only frustrating for patients it's very frustrating for doctors too which mm -hmm. is one of those things that like we're just coming out of of covid and healthcare the the pay that healthcare providers are getting is only increasing because less and less people want to do it because yeah. it's because there's so much in the way of just helping people, which is what a lot of people want to do. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people want change here. And yeah. hopefully it's it's just a matter of imagination. So I do have to ask, is Roxanne okay? She is. Uh, or oh, I believe he follows about five patients extensively. And I remember that um, she ended up getting some prosthesis. I, I can't speak definitively because she got hospice care but then essentially like her hospice care worker like broke up with her and was like, you're not, you're not dying. You're not well, but you're not dying. And I know towards the end of the book, some of her friends were sort of treating it as like a, a scandal because she had a community of care around her. But what they didn't know, which is a, a little rare for a Hispanic woman, is that she was Muslim. And so her her mosque had actually pulled together enough money to pay for some of her prostheses, if I'm not mistaken. And that's that's the ending note that I remember. I think I think I remember that her prognosis was not good, but I don't remember her passing away. Another patient I do remember, unfortunately, um, did pass away. And then I think all the rest of them um, were were alive, perhaps still troubled, but, you know, okay. <laughs> and I feel okay asking that because I feel like the point of this book isn't necessarily the plot point. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. These are, these are people who are treated, who are rendered in a very uh, human way, but they are there to illustrate right you know a system yes. so yes all right well that's pretty much all i all the questions i can think of yeah. is there a specific person you would recommend this book to um i i just recommended it to um my sister who is uh she is uh in school right she's in her physician assistant school right now um and she wants she 
has explicitly told me like i want to work public sector and i'm like okay great read this book um and she's like i'm in medical i'm in i'm in medical training i don't have time to read yeah. uh so <laughs> i was kind of wondering as soon as you said that put it on like, as an audiobook <laughs> while you drive to your <laughs> exactly i was like okay well when you're done um so yeah anybody in the anybody in the healthcare profession i mean anybody who's in the area because also it was just uh an enlightening thing to of local interest um or anybody who's had a awful medical bill if you want to figure out why there's you you will learn a lot here yeah and is it was it a recent publication it just came out this year oh, okay. yes mm-hmm. okay. all right well thank you so much for joining us and bringing us a book that does have local significance mm-hmm. and stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations bye <laughs>